But really, again, my name is Pastor Rich Brown. I'm from Abilene, Texas originally. I'm from New York City. My wife that you see the picture up here, she is originally from um, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We've been, get, we've been together over 33 years. Come on, that's the hand clap of being married. Yeah, that's it. She put up with me, and she's putting up with me. And we're both military retired. Um, we went to Abilene in 1996. We retired. She retired in 2000. I retired in 2001. I'm on my second retirement. I was able to retire at the age of 43. I thought I was going to go fishing the rest of my life. And then, as Pastor Chris says, I came on staff as associate pastor. Now I'm in my second career. And I think I got a good nine years before I head to Hawaii for the rest of my life. <laughs> but uh, really, and uh, I have a son, Sterling Brown. He is amazing. And he is in our church. He is my um, th- um, only born, but he is uh, 30 years old. He's single. Um, <laughs> and uh, I am taking resumes, and I'm doing um, background checks behind that door. <laughs> but he is on our staff in our Phoenix church. He's, he is the, get, make sure I get this right, he is the advertisement creative director on staff. He does a lot of video and stuff. He also does worship. Uh, you'll see him if you're going to the ENC conference. He'll be leading that in, in uh, Austin in two weeks, and we'll be there to hang out with him. But he's an amazing guy. And uh, us three, we've uh, been, he was born in Las Vegas, Nevada, and um, he's traveled the world with us. And our last place together was Japan, and he didn't want to come back to the States, but I made him because God had something special for him. So now we just got a special wife coming up for him. So. Um, <laughs> But really, I'm really today to talk about the seasons of marriage. I mean, no, uh, marriage is seasonal. And today I get to talk about a word that really takes your breath away. You ready for this word? Submission. See, you know, in 2020, submission. Like, oh, the whole room went down. (laughs) But submission is fun. Submission is fun because it leads to, when you're doing it, it's commitment. And I'm going to talk about the different seasons of our life. You saw me in the military. When I was looking up, doing some research for this part of the series, which I'm really excited about, um, I looked up uh, some things about my age. I am a boomer, and I know that's a curse word today, according to Wikipedia. Uh, I'm such a boomer, whatever that means. I really don't have a clue. But um, they said my I'm 62. I looked up, they think they have a new saying called gray divorce. It says, from the ages of 54 to 64, have seen divorce rates quadruple over the past three decades, according to Pew Research research, uh, research at 2007. It said this, what's pushing gray divorce is people living longer, and they feel more entitled to living fully. They've contributed to raising children. They want an emotional journey. It's their time now. They may have decades ahead and don't want to be unhappy anymore. That's my generation. And some of you might have experienced that if you're young and you grew up in a household and you thought everything was amazing and then you go to college or you go off and you come back and your parents say, well, you know, we stop, we just have, uh, we start to live, we're starting to live apart. We had two separate lives. We just fit apart and it crushed you. And you know, what's, and everything you thought growing up becomes a lie to you. And for my generation, I apologize for that because everything I just read here is what I call selfishness. Because God ordained marriage. God called us to become one. And how many know 
It takes a lifetime. And it takes that word, don't quit. I don't care how bad it gets, but it never gets that bad because Jesus Christ takes what's ashes and he raises up for his victory. And as long as our life is in Christ, our marriage is in Christ, there's always hope. So my time today, I'm going to talk about my, my um, marriage, but also give you a definition of what submission and commitment is. And the seasons of marriage. Seasons aren't the same. Uh, if, you have your, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. This is Apostle Peter writing um, about marriage, about husband and wife, and just some key things in here. Start in verse 1. It says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some of you do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see they respect you in pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, putting on gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight, is very precious. For this is how a holy woman hoped and God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, you are her children. If you do good and you do not fear anything that is frightening, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so, you, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you give us the true definition of submission and commitment in our lives. I pray some of us here this morning breathe new life into our relationships. As our relationships with you grow, so does our marriage grow. And we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. During this passage, you'll see a couple of things here, but I even looked at, okay, I wanted to look online. Okay, what are these seasons? What does this thing transition means? And society has these transitions. There's about five of them when they talk about transitions and seasons of marriage. First one, he said the romance stage. The second one is the disillusionment stage. When you, oh my gosh, now who I married. Y'all can laugh, it's okay. The power struggle stage the stability stage, and the commitment stage. And this is what they call going through seasons of life in society if you're married. But it doesn't really, really, doesn't really measure up to what God calls us as marriage in seasons of life. Because every season that you're going through your marriage, you grow closer and closer to God, and you grow closer and closer to one another. I, st- I gave you, I started off with something here in the very beginning. You probably look, women looking at um, Paul, I mean, Peter looks at a, um, uh, speaking about a, a woman who is married to an unbelieving spouse. Well, the reason why I use this passage is because I love this passage because I was not walking with God when I met my wife. In fact, she knew God and I knew Lutheran. So that was not a good mix. So when we got together, how we met, when we, when we came, almost came together, it was amazing that we weren't looking for anybody. In fact, we decided we'll just work on our careers and not worry about anything. And we and God, through his grace and his sovereignty, put us together. It was amazing when you're talking about unbelieving 
spouse. But when I met my wife in these circumstances I'm about to explain to you, again, I was in the military, so I turned my career over just to serve and work because I had relationships and they do it horrible. And she had relationships that were horrible. And we just quit. We just said, we'll study, we'll just work on our military career. And I was going to Las Vegas to work and do something, a competition. And I remember being there and driving home to the hotel and found out that someone got into my room and stole all my clothes. Left me with underwear and a uniform and a pair of shorts. So at that moment, I told my boss, I'm leaving. I don't want to be here anymore. I can care less about the competition, but I need to go home. He said, give me one more day, Rich. Just give me one more day. I need you to stay. So okay, I'll show up tomorrow, but it's okay. I'm not, I don't care. Well, I didn't know that my wife was holding a meal, my future wife was holding a meeting prior that next day, that morning. Her job was a logistics planner. So that's what she is. She's a chief of logistics. She couldn't be here now because she works at Dias Air Force Base now as a civilian. She's the chief of readiness. So she's in trouble and getting everyone to one place or another. And she was holding a meeting to help us get back. Well, they wouldn't start the meeting until I arrived. And I showed up when I wanted to. So they kept saying, we got to get to start. And she kept saying, we, why can't we? said, we can't do anything until Rich gets here. And she said, who is Rich? I have something to do. I have three meetings. I don't have time to wait for this guy named Rich. Now, if she was standing with me on the platform, she would give you a different story on how I walked into the meeting. I walked into the meeting, and there was a circle. She had to have this meeting, and I walk in. She said, now, I'm not sure. I don't have a tape in those days. You didn't have a cell phone to, to record everything. And I walked in, and she said, you had your hands on your hips, like, and looking at me like, who are you people, and what do you want? Or she said this way, now you guys can start because the king have arrived. I said, not me. Truly not me. All I remember, now here's my story, all I remember walking in that building worrying about my clothes. And when I looked up and saw her, I forgot about every piece of clothing I lost. <laughs> and from that point on, we dated and we became the number one in our transition, the first one in, trans, in our season, best friends. We learned our likes, some of our likes and our dislikes in a separate environment, not living together. Had my own place, she had her own place. I call it my island and her island. Until you get married, and men, if you get married, you have your island, she has her island. All the furniture in your island is garbage. You're gonna go on her island, okay? Just helping you out. Just trying to help you out. All right, see, you got some brothers pointing at me right now. But we decide to be best friends first, and the first decision we had to make is I'm willing to spend my rest of my life with her. And for over 32 years, I've been managing that decision. Then create new ones. The decision we make, are we willing to spend the rest of our lives together forever? When we made that decision, we decided to manage that. I don't care how hard it got. We didn't make up a new one. We didn't deviate from that. And it was the best decision we've made and we continue to make. Remember that. Don't try to make, we make too much out of decisions when we need to just start to manage the lifelong ones we make in the beginning. Yes. And that's the one we made to be married. And when we did that, we came together 
and we learned a lot of, I learned a lot of things. She's different than I am, and I'm okay with that. In the beginning, I wasn't, because that's the, that stage. The first five years, when you have two rams on that island, defending your island, and she's defending her island because we were both told you don't need one another, and we're hitting, and we're hitting. Now, you're losing as a guy, but you're hitting. You're trying your best. <laughs> and the first thing I learned was she is God's perfect fit for me. Perfect fit for me. What it is that mean when he says perfect fit? The word fit is amazing, but the word, perp- the word helper means this in the Hebrew. A collaborator, someone who, to make up for his deficiencies, counterpart equal to him. Truly fitting and truly adequate. She's not below. She's not above. We're together. God created us equally. Well, we've seen it in Christianity. We're trying to demand of No. And she is completely different from me. I have great plans to do things, but I need a logistics plans to work it out. When I say, let's have a, a, a conference. We'll have 400 people there. We'll bring in the speakers. We'll have food. Okay. Where are they coming from? I don't know. I just wanted to have a conference. <laughs> how, if you're going to have breakfast, how many sausage per, per guy or per person? I don't know. Just let them. Just let them. Is that important? Yes. Separate. Different. And those are my deficiencies. And some of us, when we, you know, when we date the romance part of it, we lie to one another because we get to go home to our islands. Now, if you're living together, you're really out of balance because women, you shouldn't live with anybody unless they truly love you. That means you're going to be married before you live together. Why would you sell yourself short? Here's what my wife's um, plan was. Not plan. This is what she told me. We were dating for about maybe six months. She said, I came over to her house. She says, um, I am, uh, I said, where you going? She said, I'm going out. I said, where? She said, she said um, you're not, there's no ring on my finger. <laughs> Guess what I did the next day? <laughs> Bam! <laughs> you're mine, now you're coming with me. Some of you are living together. Man ain't gonna get that ring need to get out of the house. Amen. Don't sell yourself cheap. God created you for the special fit, the best fit. Look at, look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord said, it's not good for the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Again, when I say helper, it was a collaborator. But here's the greatest thing is a fit. Now, if you're married and you're having issues right now, you have to say this. She is the perfect, or he is the perfect fit for me. You got to keep saying it. She or he is the perfect fit for me. You don't understand what he does. He's the perfect fit. You don't She's the perfect fit. He's the perfect fit from God. Because God knows what you need better than you do. He is an issue because you needed a character change. Are you bossy? He doesn't, I know, and God, for the perfect fit. Some of you I say right now, it's just a thorn in my flesh. Well, your grace is sufficient. Get over it. 
Because it's not about making you happy. It's going to make you holy. I had to learn the fruit. I had to learn the fruit of the Spirit, what love and patience and joy is in the midst of chaos. In the, midst of, in the military, you know, you, they say this thing, you can, your marriage can survive through pregnancy and moving. We moved every, gosh, every, year and a, every three years we went to a new city. But in between that, we at least moved two or three times into another apartment. Talk about moving, and I'm, I don't like chaos. I'm, on my, I'm, I'm order. I'm all about order. No. She thinks it's exciting. I'm thinking, I'm too lazy. Can we just stay here forever? No. So, different, better. Amen? Amen. Truly fitting, truly adequate. If you're looking, stop looking. Let the Lord look for you. They'll give you the perfect fit. We weren't looking. And God said, finally you have surrendered. And then she led me mostly to Christ. Jesus put me in the right spot so I can come to Christ. She was saved first. I wasn't. And she was standing, I will tell you right now, basically, if you don't like me, blame her because I am it. Just kidding. (laughs) But that's what I learned. She's the perfect fit. Second thing I learned in growing as Sterling came along and we, started have, we had him, submitting to Christ makes it easy to submit to her. I realize our fighting, not now fighting, our disagreements, I'm selfish. I want my way. And she wants her way. But then we found this scripture in Ephesians 5, 21. It says this, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now that word submitting again, that word causes a lot of pain in people's hearts. It shouldn't. It's freeing. It's voluntarily, voluntarily placing yourself under the authority of another. has nothing to do with intrinsic value. Nothing to do with that. Men and women are co-equal in the eyes of God. In Genesis 1.27. But what it is, is you, you're voluntarily to submit first to Christ and then you submit to one another. I know it's the more I had the character of Christ who taught me how to be patient, how to taught love, how to prefer her over my own feelings, the more it's easy for me to submit to her. And the more I submitted to that, she didn't mind submitting to me. See, we made it like, well, we have messed the scripture up. It's submitting to one another on the reverence of Christ. Why? There's three, there's three versions of a story in a marriage with Jesus in the middle. Mine, hers, and Christ. So we have to look to Christ for the, for the, um, to solve the issue. And most of it was repent, you're both selfish, and get over it. And then when you're talking about marriage, Christ is in the center of our ring. That bond, nothing else gets in. Finances don't even get in here. Christ is in the center, and we kept him in the center so we can stay in the center of his will, and we can stay in the center of love. That's how we did it. Is it hard? No, it's surrendering our lives to to him so we can surrender our lives to one another. If men walk in here and say, you need to submit to me, if you're a jerk, she don't need to submit to you. The reason why she's voluntarily, if you voluntarily submit to Christ, she will submit to you. But then you'll really see that you submit to her. When we see in verse 6, you see 
that they talked about Sarah. And when you read this sometime, I had this last week when we were, I was letting someone know the passage. I was, he, someone told me, I'm not going to call him Lord. I'm not calling him Lord. I said, really, you're not going to call him Lord? No, I don't call my husband Lord. That's my joke. I said, you need to call him Lord. And then I'm not calling him Lord. There's no way I'm calling him Lord. But it doesn't mean that. It means this, that Sarah was building up Abraham. She was giving encouraging words to Abraham. Now, if you read the story of Abraham, and Jen, was, he, was he smart? Was he always on track? When you try to sell your wife off twice as your sister, <laughs> I don't think the brother had it all together. Right? But that's faith. And she said, I'm still going to submit to his leadership because in her submission came to this. She submitted to God by submitting to her husband, by following her husband everywhere they go. That's what her submission came out to be. But he, like me, he was not perfect. He will blow it. We will blow it all the time. Men and women blow it all the time, but oh, God's grace for us. And you see, even on the point when he they had made a mistake and Ishmael was born and they decided, well, he, she said, you need to get this woman that's got this kid out of my house, basically paraphrasing. And he goes to the Lord and said, God, she just want that child to go. Abraham, listen to your wife. Okay, he listened to his wife. I have a, we have this joke when we were in, in, um, in um, Abilene. We call it man law. Man law number one. Listen to your wife. Some women should be cheering in here. Listen to your wife. <laughs> Go ahead, Pastor. Go ahead. No, you still got some stuff in here for you too. Because a guy, even when I see my wife, Donna, her unique service, we're old-fashioned, so when we have gatherings, she gets my meal first. And people ask her, why are they... Why you, she said, that's what I do. That's what I grew up on. That's what we, I serve him first before I get, and then I serve her together. And we do it together, one another. We serve one another. Why? Because I'm called in this passage also, when you get down to verse 7, to love her as Christ loved the church. How Christ loved this church? He submitted his life to the church. He died and sacrificed his life for us to have life. So if I'm supposed to love her as Christ loved the church, I am supposed to serve her continually honor her continually that's the third thing I learned consistently love and serve her consistently not when you you know when you're dating and you want to impress your spouse your future spouse and you get in the car or she's going to get in the car you run across I don't care if it's raining and you open the door and after five years of marriage hey honey I'll unlock the door when I get in See, I tell guys all the time, when you start something, whenever you put up, you got to keep up. So I'm reminded, she reminds me, honey, do the door? Oh, yeah. It's okay. Not that you're stupid and you forgot. Honey, remember what you started, I'm going to help you finish it. Because I'm honoring her by putting her in the car first. Now, if you're single, you need to practice that. Now, because a lot of, here's, a, here's a one of the takeaways. 
A lot of us, when we talk about marriage and coming together, we talk about, we plan so much for the day, right? I mean, you guys are great. Young people are great, you know, on Facebook and they're, and they, the proposals on the mountain and everything's amazing. And then the wedding has 1,500 people in it and it's all white and the doves are flying everywhere and y'all forgot when you get done, you got to pay all those bills because some people are eating for free. Anyway, and, you, and you're going and you're going and you're like, this day has to be like this every single day. And you plan for the day, but you never plan for the distance. And the distance is the time when that wears off, what you started with, are you going to keep it up? You buy flowers now, you better buy flowers tomorrow. I've been, I have a break from flowers. My wife taught me this. I didn't know this. After 10 years of marriage, I bought her flowers. She said, honey, don't buy me flowers anymore. I was a little offended. I'm like, what do you mean? Those are red roses. She said this. She said, roses die, honey. Plants, I love plants. They stick around for a long time. Guess what I was doing? Wisdom. Not that I was smart at it. She told me. Like the verse says in verse 7, likewise, that word likewise, when he stops there, he's talking about going all the way up that the woman have to do, the women have to do, the guy has to do it also. Likewise, serve your wife. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. You mean my prayers are contingent on my treatment of my wife? Yes. You mean that's a higher standard as a man? You better believe it. Whoa. And we get on what she needs to do, and man, we got a whole lot we have to do, which is a great thing we get to do. But what it means, the honor means to value, to revere, to esteem to the highest degree of your spouse. And we see today the um, men are here trying to be here and the women say, I don't, I'm, I'm somebody too. And that's apart from the gospel. The gospel actually lifts women into a higher standard than versus what society says today. Everyone wants their rights, but they you can be right, but if you're righteous, it's even better. And my job is to lift her over me. As a servant, I'm the one pushing out that they're successful. When, we, when she retired from the military and I was going to retire, I said, I'm going to work another year so you can finish your degree. And then when you have children come along, well, you want to finish your degree. Well, no, son, you need to get your degree. I didn't know you were going to go to California. Whoa. And then I finished mine. I did, well, I preferred her over me. I lifted them higher than me. As a, as a husband, I'm supposed to lift them higher and let them catch the sails. That's my job. Why? Because when my son tells me, like he tells us the other day, on our Valentine's Day, he said this, thank you for being the model of what a, a strong marriage looked like. And when he says that, we're able to tell him all the mistakes that your dad and mom have made. Because we're heirs together in this life. When people are looking for a strong, they're looking to see if marriage works Know where they're looking? To the church. Because our marriage represents Christ and his bride. If they see you treating your wife in public with disdain, or a husband, wife, husband, in disdain with one another, they're going to say, see, that don't work. See, I told you that don't work. And you don't look for your answers 
outside of Jesus. Apart from Jesus, I'm, I'm, a, I'm out there. I'm selfish. I want my way. It's my way, the highway. Then I have to read the word and says, well, you have, the only reason why you have a way is because I made a way. Now submit to my way so you learn, learn and understand her way. Because during the seasons of life, being single from best friend to having children to now we're empty nesters and we had to learn the conversations all over again and then the life changes in her body at a certain age. I got to decide. I got to figure out what the new language is. Then I got to start walking in the gifts of the spirit of prophecy. What kind of days are going to be today? And then I, I find out I'm moody. And the more I get older, the less I want to change because I want to be set in my ways. And Jesus says, no, son. It's for the glory of God. You're still going to eat lunch together because you love it. People ask me all the time, why y'all still eat? Y'all still married 32 years and y'all still eat lunch together? Why? Is there something different? Is there something I don't know about? I better read about it in Wikipedia. But that's what he's saying. Why? We're partners in the benefits of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everyone say forever. 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 Right. If you're single and you want to be married, you don't have to get dressed up. Your inner beauty will win those to come to you. My wife's inner beauty changed me. She didn't get all dawned up and she just, her inner character was amazing. Her ex, she, was a, she was beautiful on the outside, but she was really more beautiful on the inside. And I love her more today because I know more about her today, but I still don't know a lot about her now. I got another 100 years ago. If, God, if the Lord put me on this side, but if not, then we both go together. I know they put, she keep putting us in the hospital together. I'm always there. You know that thing about um, to death do you part? Y'all have that clause in your, in your marriage? To death do you part? I do. Natural or um, natural death or what I call premature death. Natural death, I go old. Premature, premature death is I act a fool and she says, you're done. <laughs> Let me uh, end with this. To stay through all the stages and all the transitions and all the seasons of marriage, you got to really take on the character of Jesus. The greatest thing we have, the greatest gift that we have that Jesus gave us that we need to use more on each other is forgiveness. You need to forgive quickly in your relationships because you'll hurt each other. That's because you're just finding out about each other. My biggest question when I ask married young couples or married couples, okay, I heard all this. How did it make you feel when he said that? When you find out how you felt, then we understand you more. But you got to forgive because if you don't forgive, your children won't forgive. If you don't forgive your spouse, you won't forgive your, your, um, you won't forgive your coworker. And your children won't trust people and they won't get married or anything else. 
Some of you sitting here, you've been fighting back and you're on your island. You got to surrender your island and come together. One thing about a man, we never want to say we're off. But on this, I'm still working hard trying to figure out my wife's needs, her wants, her desires, all those things. So I can become a lifelong learner. But don't quit because you just, you're going to miss something that God's creating, something special for his glory. He puts you together. He's not going to tear you apart. And some of you college students or young people, you've seen your wife, you've seen your dad and mom divorce, forgive them. Jesus had this one word, forgive them, Father, because they don't know what they're doing. I don't know when I'm hurting my wife. I'm a knucklehead. But she says, the grace that Jesus gave you, I'm going to give you. The grace that, I said, the grace that Jesus gave you, I'm going to give you. Because this is so much bigger than just us being together. We're a platform now to show life and show a city and show our nation that this thing works. The minute another Christian celebrity divorces and says, well, we have irreconcilable differences. Yeah, I know you're always going to have those. But Jesus is the one that melds them all together. So get over yourself. Stop being selfish. Wanting your own way. That means you gave up on Jesus. Who didn't give up on either one of us? If you're not a Christ follower, you'll struggle in marriage because you don't know how to love. He's the one teaching me how to love as he loved the church. If you're married to a young a man now, women that hit is, un, is not born again, don't destroy him. Encourage him by your inner beauty. And if you're single, don't get all dolled up Walk in the strength that Jesus has given you. Amen? That's what it's about. Marriage is not a fad. <laughs> it's forever. Everyone say forever. Yeah. Some of you have some decisions. You got to make that one decision. In the beginning, you said forever. Stick with it. How do you do that? Forgive quickly. Second thing, get with some groups here. In this church, we got some strong people. People been married for a long time that you can get with other people, and they'll show you how to do it. But you got to humble yourselves, and you got to say, "I don't know everything." And by my guy, I learned to do that a long time ago. Let's pray.